millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi there, this is Chloe Brotheridge, hypnotherapist at karmu.com, author of The Anxiety Solution. And this is the Karma You podcast, and it's the place to be if you want to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. So this is episode two. This week, I'm talking about perfectionism, which I just think is one of the most interesting topics there is. It's something that affects so many of us. And actually, even if you don't consider yourself a perfectionist, I want you to still um, give this episode a try because I think it's going to be a lot that you will relate to. So if you're somebody that spends hours checking and rechecking emails where others might just read over it once, if you're somebody that has their day ruined, if you feel like what you're wearing isn't quite up to your standards, or if you make a mistake during a presentation and it makes you feel like a total loser, then you might be a perfectionist. And I know that there are probably lots of you that don't necessarily consider themselves perfectionists, I have lots of people say to me, you know, there's no way I can be a perfectionist. My desk is always a mess. I still want you to give this episode a chance because I think there's going to be a lot that you will still relate to. Now, I don't personally consider myself a perfectionist. And yet I've noticed that I have to really watch out for some of these perfectionist tendencies that I tend to have if I'm not being aware and I certainly and certainly used to be a bigger issue a few years ago. So I mentioned in the last episode I had this obsession with my hair and my fringe staying straight. It sounds really silly um, and it's kind of a silly example but it is something that actually can affect people these silly obsessions and things that we can really focus on and that can actually bring us down or take us out of the present moment. I've also been known to be pretty excessive in my pursuit of trying to find the perfect pair of jeans. I have been known to get into a big department store at the moment it opens and spend several hours trying on pairs of jeans, driving the sales assistant absolutely mad, Um, never really satisfied with with whatever jeans I was finding. Um, Thankfully, I'm not quite that uh, obsessive these days. I usually just try on a few pairs and I'm satisfied, but I can relate to that sense of um, the pursuit of something being perfect that actually can get in the way of your life. And again, that's a silly example, but I just wanted to share how you know, we can be affected by perfectionism without being 
you know, one of those people that is really neat or rechecking their emails hundreds of times. So perfectionism can manifest in loads of different ways. So it might manifest in your life in terms of people pleasing. So feeling that you have to keep other people happy all the time, that everyone has to be okay, that you need to have this very high standard in terms of how other people are relating to you or what they think of you. And I think it can also link into social anxiety in that way, in that you might believe that you have to come across as perfect to other people, that you can't make any mistakes, that you can't just be your you know, natural messy self because other people might judge you or deem that to be less than perfect and less than good enough. It might manifest itself in terms of things that you do with friends or the way you look or the work that you do. And so it can really affect every area of your life, really. If you're a perfectionist, you can waste a lot of time You can have this sense that nothing is ever good enough. And that's a really horrible, horrible feeling. But the good news is that there is a lot that you can do about it. I'm going to get on to that in a minute. So there's really nothing wrong with having high standards. But if these standards are impossibly high, and if trying to reach those standards makes you anxious and miserable, it's definitely time to do something about it. But how do we become perfectionists in the first place. And I think if we look back at the way that we're raised, the way that society is, we get a lot of clues as to why so many of us suffer from perfectionism now. And if you think about, you know, going back to your school days, achievement is rewarded. And if you are doing really well at school, your parents, your teachers are going to praise you for that. And you might associate doing well, trying hard, doing things perfectly with being loved and getting attention. And of course, that's going to reinforce that behaviour. Another thing that might have happened was that perhaps you were overly criticised or overly pressurised when you were young. And that can cause you to grow up with this belief that you know, you're not good enough and that you must always try harder and push harder and do better. So that can be a big cause of perfectionism for people. And so if perfectionism potentially starts in childhood, in our adult lives, it's also reinforced as well. So perfectionism can really get positively reinforced. It gets encouraged. Maybe you were told to be a good girl or a good boy, to please your parents and your teachers by acting perfectly and being on, you know, your best behaviour all the time or working incredibly hard and getting the top marks in the school. Maybe as an adult, your boss really appreciates and praises your extreme attention to detail and your really hard work ethic And then you feel this pressure that you have to carry on to keep up that standard. And then, of course, there is this ridiculous pressure that... And then there is this ridiculous pressure that probably all of us feel to some extent or another about the way that we look. And so much in the last few years with airbrushing, with social media, 
you know, there's so much pressure to look perfect, to be perfectly well-dressed, to have perfect nails, perfect makeup, all of that stuff is adding to this sense that perfection is possible. And also, if you're not perfect, then you're not up to standard. And there's even some evidence that perfectionism could be genetic as well. So it's not necessarily all to do with things that have happened in our lives. It could be a genetic factor in there. However, what I would say about that is that there's always something that we can do about the way we are. We're not stuck. We are not fixed. So even if you think you might have a genetic perfectionist gene, then there is still a load that you can do to help yourself. Now, one of the big problems with perfectionism is that it often comes from a place of not feeling good enough. And this is a problem. So whenever you have this feeling inside of this thought that whatever you do is not good enough, then it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you achieve, how much you get done. It doesn't matter how perfect your contouring is. You're never going to feel good. And it's likely that if you're a perfectionist, once you do achieve one goal, then it's not long before you've moved the goalposts and you're then striving towards the next goal. It's this sense that you're never quite arriving. And that is a sign of perfectionism, that sense that, you know, what you do is never enough and you're never quite going to reach that goal of perfection because there's always another thing to strive for, another goal or achievement or thing to attain. So I had a client once who was always striving for perfection in her work. And as soon as she'd achieved, you know, one milestone, she set the bar even higher for herself. And actually, this just meant that she she never reached a point where she could enjoy her success. She never could just relax and enjoy the things that she had achieved. And she had this huge thing around failure. And this is, again, incredibly common, especially for young women. We are not good at taking failure. We're not good at accepting failure. It somehow seems unacceptable to us. And so I want to talk about something that I call the perfection myth. And there are two lies that make up the perfection myth. And the first one is that perfection equals happiness. And the second one is that perfection is achievable. So I'm just going to talk about that first one first. Perfection equals happiness. Now, everything that we do as human beings is to bring us more happiness. Now, the only reason that you want, you know, that amazing job, that partner, that dress, whatever it is that you want, it's because you believe that it will make you happy. And in this perfectionist mindset, we tell ourselves stories such as, if I had a perfect body, then I'd be happy. How many of us tell ourselves this? And it's absolute rubbish. We tell ourselves things like, if I project this perfect life to other people, then I'll be happy. And also things like, if I nail this presentation and get amazing feedback from everyone, then I'll be happy. And the problem with this mindset is that it's often a huge strain to try and get to this point of perfection. You might find yourself constantly on edge, overworking, pushing yourself too hard, worrying, 
pressurizing yourself. And actually, this amount of pressure, worry, and overworking is the thing that sabotages your happiness. It's actually a surefire way to ensure that you're not going to be happy. And then secondly, this idea that perfection is achievable. And I would argue that it isn't. I would actually argue that perfect doesn't exist. Because even if you feel that something is perfect, that feeling is likely not to last very long. So say you have a day out and it only takes, you know, some unexpected humidity to ruin a perfect hair day or a delayed flight to ruin a perfect weekend away. Or else otherwise what happens is you achieve that perfect body, but then you're on to the next thing. So you get into the size eight, but then you're thinking, right, now I need to get into a size six. And surely this idea of perfect is just someone's opinion. Because my idea of what is a perfect ice cream flavour is going to be different to the idea of what my best friend's perfect ice cream is like. Everyone has their own opinion about what is perfect. So if you're trying to come across as perfect or look perfect, then everyone on the planet is going to have a different perception of what perfect is. So you're never going to you know, please everyone or you're never going to get everyone to agree on what perfect is. And of course, if you're hanging your happiness on someone else's opinion, that is a recipe for misery if ever I heard one, because we can't control what other people think. We can't control other people's opinions or what they think of us. It's just impossible. So instead of striving for perfection, I want you to just consider how you can start to accept that you're an ever-evolving, ever-learning, ever-growing work in progress and you're always adjusting your course, you're trying new things and the more that you can accept yourself as you are, where you are right now, the happier you're going to be. And so just Focusing on making progress rather than trying to reach perfection is a much more satisfying, healthy, positive attitude to have. So just have this idea in your mind of progress instead of perfection. Because perfection is, at worst, completely impossible to reach. At best, it's a massive strain on your energy, um, on your peace of mind, and So instead, just focusing on learning, evolving, growing, doing your best and recognising that you learn a lot along the way and you can always be adjusting your course. And one of my favourite ideas around perfectionism is something called the acceptance paradox. And I first heard of this from Dr David Hamilton, who is an author. He writes a lot about self-love and kindness Um, definitely check out his work. But he introduced me to this idea that things feel perfect when you accept them as they are. Now, just to give you sort of an example of this, I had a client once who was obsessed with planning a perfect wedding. 
And she had really whipped herself into a frenzy with loads of pressure that everyone had to have an amazing time. She had to look immaculate. The whole day just had to be completely, completely perfect or else it was going to be a disaster. And what we were working on together was helping her to accept that actually, you know, it's not these external factors that lead to happiness, but actually the internal attitude that you can cultivate within yourself of accepting and embracing things as they are and making the best of things as they are. And that's actually what leads to happiness. And actually, when you embrace things exactly as they are, they start to feel perfect. And you might be able to relate to this in terms of perhaps relationships or friendships. You know, if you were trying to control your partner and trying to get them to be perfect, trying to change them all the time, then you're going to feel dissatisfied, you're going to be unhappy. But if you can accept that person completely, if you can embrace every part of them, all of their flaws, all of their annoying habits, and if you can just appreciate them for who they are, they're actually going to feel quite perfect for you, because you're going to have that feeling that all is well, you're going to have that feeling of being able to be happy and um, accepting and loving. And so just considering this idea that things feel perfect when we accept them as they are. And so just a few kind of summary points in terms of perfectionism. So try to put things in perspective for yourself. So if you're finding you're obsessing over an email needing to be perfect or a presentation that you're doing needing to be just so, just ask yourself, will this matter in a year from now? Will it matter a month from now, a week from now? Will it matter tomorrow? And chances are it's really not going to matter that much. So can you actually let it go now? Another thing that you can do is just to make a list of the pros and cons of being a perfectionist and getting it down on paper because you might actually find that the negative aspects of being a perfectionist massively outweigh any benefits that you're receiving and this might help you just to adjust your standards to let go a little bit so that you can ensure that your excessively high standards are not at a cost to yourself and your own well-being and your own mental health and lastly just focusing on progress rather than perfection and remembering that things feel perfect when you accept them and embrace them as they are. I also wanted to talk about failure and fear of failure because it's something that is incredibly common and so many of us have almost been brought up to believe that failure is not acceptable and it starts off in our childhoods. Lots of us, I'm not saying this is the case for everyone, but lots of us were overprotected and not allowed to learn that actually failure is normal and failure is okay, failure is acceptable. So perhaps, you know, you had parents who were very hands-on, who never really, you know, wanting to protect you, never really allowed you to be exposed to making mistakes or failing at things. There's also a bit of a culprit in the self-esteem movement which, if you don't know anything about the self-esteem movement, began in the 70s on flawed studies, studies that, if you look back at them now, were very poorly designed, 
these studies looked at people who had high self-esteem and found that they were more successful and draw this conclusion that if we boost children's self-esteem, then they're going to be a lot more successful in life. But actually, they hadn't looked at that data in the correct way. And there's no evidence that, you know, pumping up, artificially pumping up people's self-esteem helps them to be more successful. Actually, it could have the opposite effect. Because what happens is, if you're told that you're wonderful, you're amazing, you're a winner, you know, from a young age, and that is regardless of the reality of things, if you're given a medal for running, even though you came last in the race, it gives you this artificial sense of self-esteem. And then when you get into the real world, so that child that might have been given that, you know, medal for coming last in the race, once they get into the real world, maybe they leave home, go to university, or they get their first job, it's going to be a bit of a shock to the system because they're no longer going to be getting that reinforcement and they might discover that actually, you know, they're not so good a runner as they thought they were or they're not so special as they perhaps were told that they were. And so, so many of us unfortunately suffer from this and, you know, it's not our parents' fault necessarily, it's something in society that is starting to change. I think people are realising now that what you need to do with children is to say, you worked really hard on that rather than you're the most amazing kid in the world. You're so bright. You're so incredible. Just letting children know that, yeah, you you work really hard on that and just acknowledging their hard work rather than their achievement. And actually that's how you build healthy self-esteem that is actually based on your abilities and reality rather than something that is overly inflated because the result will be that that ends up getting knocked down when you're out in the real world and then you end up with much lower self-esteem than you started with. So in short, lots of us are victims of the self-esteem movement and so we have this sense that actually it's not really acceptable to fail because we were never really allowed to fail failure was not normalized it was seen as this unacceptable thing we were given that medal even though we came last and so we haven't experienced failure and learned that it's actually okay to fail so I'm going to talk about some famous failures Um, so Henry Ford he started two automobile companies um, and they both failed before he obviously started his successful Ford Motor Company Michael Jordan has missed 9,000 shots in his career. J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter was rejected by 12 publishers before being accepted. Marilyn Monroe was dropped by 20th Century Fox for being unattractive one year into her contract. Can't believe that, but apparently it's true. Oprah was fired from her first co-anchoring job in the news. And Lady Gaga was dropped by Def Jam Records after only three months. So I hope you get the picture. Failure is completely normal. It can happen to anyone. It doesn't necessarily mean anything about you or your abilities. It's just something that happens in life. And, you know, I'm on this journey of trying to learn this as well. Because so many of us believe that if we fail at something that that failure is permanent, that it means something about us, it means that there's something wrong with us. And actually, this just just isn't true. 
failure is actually just a brief stop off on the journey onto the next thing. It's a stepping stone towards things in the future, things getting better for more learning, more personal growth, more understanding of ourselves and the world. And it really is just an inevitable stepping stone that we're all going to have to go through at some point or another. So just to give you an example about this from my life. So a few years ago, this is probably when I first started as a hypnotherapist, and I decided to have my first workshop, to deliver my first workshop. And I it actually took quite a lot of courage to even get to that point to decide to do that. And I spent weeks, I created these flyers, I, you know, posted them all around the neighborhood. I had things posted up on Facebook. I'd email clients to tell them about this workshop. So I put in quite a bit of effort. And then when I did actually deliver the workshop, one person showed up, just one person. And actually there were a couple more people made up of my my boyfriend and my sister, but it was basically one person. And I remember after this feeling absolutely devastated. I felt like a complete failure. I felt embarrassed. I saw it as evidence that I was basically useless and I should stop trying to deliver workshops. I should maybe even consider stop being a therapist. Nobody liked me. (laughs) And I was basically going to give up on doing any kind of workshops ever again. And this kind of train of thinking went on for about an hour before I decided to give myself a bit of a talking to And I actually, after that experience, got out my notebook and did some writing and just put some thoughts down and got a bit of clarity and realised that actually I was catastrophizing. I was thinking in a very black and white way and that those thoughts weren't really constructive. And it was just the kind of sting of a perceived failure that I was experiencing at that point. And so I decided to look at what it was that went wrong and what I could potentially do differently next time to make it a success. So I was able in that moment, after kind of dwelling on it for about an hour, I was able to reframe that experience and actually think about what I could learn from that so-called failure that I could use next time for things to get better. So I changed the way that I promoted workshops, I changed the venue, I did things differently the next time. And actually, you know, every time I did a workshop after that, things got better and better. And I was always learning how to do things better, how to get more people, you know, how to get a better turnout. And, you know, now I've learned so much about that, that I look back at that experience and, you know, I can just laugh about it really. So the truth is that actually failure is really important for helping us to learn and we hear about this a lot you know this is something that motivational speakers talk about a lot but actually it really is true so I want you to think about you know if there have been times in your life or if you're going through something at the moment where you feel like you're failing or you feel like you're scared of failure just trying to reframe it in your mind recognize that it's inevitable at some point to fail it's inevitable that things are going to go wrong And that it's never really a failure if there's something that you can learn from it. And there's always something that you can learn in order to get better. So no matter what it is in your life that maybe you're on the the verge of or you um, recently fresh out of a a failure, whether that's, you know, 
a failed relationship, a job, a situation at home, whatever it is, thinking about what you can learn from that and how you can use that to get better the next time. And actually there's something instinctive within us that knows this already. So if you just think about when you were just a little baby, when you were just learning to walk, you'd have started off crawling and then one day feeling very brave you would have pulled yourself up and maybe taken a bit of a step before tumbling over and you know day after day you would have tried this again and again falling over again and again and again but every time you would have got a little bit stronger a little bit wiser a little bit more coordinated and you know you weren't allowing these falls to hold you back there was something within you that knew that actually Falling is all a part of the process. It's all a part of getting better and learning. And so, you know, before long, you could walk, you could run, you could ride a bike, probably. So many things that you have been able to do just by kind of knowing that falling over is inevitable and actually you're learning and growing all the time. And that instinctiveness is within you. I'd like you just to find that you can tune into that And remember that it's all a process. You're always learning and getting better all the time. So I hope you've taken something valuable from this podcast about perfectionism and fear of failure. I'd love you to let me know about any insights that you've gained. Please let me know on Instagram. You can find me at Chloe Brotheridge. If you like this podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving me a review because it really does help to spread the word about the Karma You podcast. And I'd love to send you a free MP3 if you head over to karma-u.com forward slash free. I will send you a free relaxation download, which I basically guarantee is going to help you to switch off, to calm your mind, to have a little brain holiday. And you can download it, put it onto your phone and listen straight away. So thank you so much. I'm sending you loads of love and wishing you a really good week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.